Coming to you live from the LMP show with host Samuel Levitino and Chess Patterson. Welcome to the LMP show, y'all. We are here live at the Austin Public Library. Uh, Chess is here, and uh, we got a good friend of ours, Mr. Blake Settle. He um, is a good friend of mine. He went to Texas Tech University with me and actually decided to transfer out of that place. Got smart. Um, I guess he just couldn't handle all those crazy dust storms and all those tumbleweeds rolling around. <clears throat> but anyways, Blake and I have kept up real well throughout the past five years, and uh, he's remained one of my really good friends. And Blake is a big-time outdoorsman. He is also a huge entrepreneur. He could probably sell anything. And he is the founder of um, upcoming company Rev Gum. If you've never heard of it, that's, that's Blake. Anyways, uh, we're super excited to be here with Blake because he is a big-time renaissance man. Blake, welcome to the show. Sam, I appreciate you for the kind words, Chess. Thank you for having me here. I'm looking forward to having a little conversation. Oh, man. So, so thoughtful there, Blake. <laughs> Anyways, this is actually pretty funny. So, about <clears throat> second week of college, freshman Sam and and freshman Blake were running around, and, and just backstory here, I ran into him my first math class. He needed a tutor. Ever. Sure. That's definitely not the case. Anyways, we, we run into each other. We happen to have um, a guy named Brock Irwin, who is the worst math teacher ever. And so I go introduce myself to him, and he had gone to school at Westlake right down uh, the river from, from where I went in Austin High, and we were rivals. But... We uh, had some mutual friends. And Not so much rivals on this side. <clears throat> yeah. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> hey, take it easy, man. Austin <laughs> High is just a little superior, subpar. But anyways, uh, Blake invites me to go out to his ranch and, uh, in Clyde, Texas, and I was sitting there like, heck yeah, man, September 1st, opening weekend. Who cares about college football? Texas Tech doesn't even really have a team. It's, uh, it's all right with me. Let's go smack some palomas here and so it's just me and Blake and I get there and we're, we're hanging out around around the campfire uh, shooting birds all weekend and all of his family's there and it was a great time until about Sunday morning I remember sitting there on his his grandparents couch and I just I couldn't keep my eyes open I'm sitting there sweating like a pig I'm so sick and I just remember sitting there thinking like god this this kid's never gonna invite me back oh here's no way. <laughs> and uh, that trip ended with me falling asleep on the drive back and Blake having to pour water on his face to stay up. You remember that? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> I think I had to get rid of that truck because the sweat stains from you never went away. But Yeah, and I, yeah. Think, I think Papa Don and your dad were, were kind of mad that I was over there sweating all over their couch. Yeah, just... yeah. You were sick. I remember that very well. I remember trying to stay up on that, that car ride and that was tough. Uh, did Sam meet a dove heart or something? What what kicked that off? No, no, I don't think we had any dove hearts to eat. I think uh, I think we came up empty or pretty close <laughs> to it. There were slim pickings, that's for sure. And I don't know if it's because the birds or the shooters, but yeah, I was, I was sick because I had to watch Blake miss too many birds. You know, it was just <laughs> a, a, a sore sight. But anyways, um, here we are now after all that time, and uh, Blake is still like he likes to say, as ugly as ever. Um, that is his favorite quote, but why don't you why don't you go ahead and tell us why you always say that? I I don't think I, on the record I don't think I've ever said that before. Uh, 
I actually think I'm pretty good looking myself, <laughs> but uh, but I appreciate it, Sambo. Hey, well, I actually, I kind of like it because, you know, if you keep telling me ugly, then whenever something good happens, it's that much better, you know. That's just what Sam hears when he sees boys. Yeah, you say hi, and he immediately goes, hi, ugly. I got it. I got it. It's, it's a mental game with him. Yeah. So, Blake, why don't you go into a little background about yourself, where you grew up, uh, any interests of yours, and just, I don't know, what, uh, what you like to do growing up as a kid. A little bit about myself is born and raised here in Austin, Texas. Um, like Sam said, just up the road, Westlake High School. Um, never been the sharpest tool in the shed, that's for sure. Uh, graduated probably in the bottom of the pack. Went to Tech my freshman year where I got to be blessed with Sammy here. And I guess along the way beforehand, I was I was in Boy Scouts and eventually Eagle Scouts with Chess over here. Um, and that was, that was quite a ride. I'm not sure that one of us should have graduated that program, but, <laughs> but that's was, for sure. It was definitely it was definitely a lot of fun, a lot of uh, a lot of small pocket knife collections going on from that, <laughs> and uh, I think kind of my interest along the way have uh, always been anything outside, anything that get me outdoors, whether it be water skiing or wake mm-hmm. surfing, hunting, fly fishing, regular bass fishing. I mean, you name it, whatever excuse I could find. Growing up, uh, just wanted to spend some time outdoors and. Playing football was a good one until, you know, everyone else kept growing and I stayed the same size in the eighth grade. And so I, I transitioned over to uh, fishing on my free time. And, you know, that definitely got in the way of some schoolwork. But here we are today. You caught some big ones, too. That that striper bass you caught out on Lake Austin. That I still remember that picture. Yeah, there's been some, there's been some big ones. What old did that boys. thing weigh? I mean, he you know was, the one I'm talking about? Yeah, the iconic was, picture? I want to say he was roughly 30, 40 pounds. Just a big old big old striper in Lake Austin right under Mansfield Dam. Of course, you can't do that anymore. They got too many too many security guards and security cameras now that can't sneak by that close to the dam. But yeah, there's some there's some big fish. You know, I think that was a school night on a Tuesday night, but unbelievable. Okay, yeah. so correct me if I'm wrong. I heard that y'all were throwing like these 50 plus dollar lures, these swim baits. That these just... were Spro BBZ swim baits. These things are six inches, big old heavy suckers. I think, on average, now they're about probably about thirty to forty dollars. So it okay. definitely hurt when you lost one. I mean, yeah. probably there's a good chance you were going swimming for it. Um, but there's no doubt that the way that they moved in the water, those those stripers and, and really largemouth bass caught a, a double digit largemouth bass on one of those as well. Um, it just it looks like one of those bait fish, especially when you're up fishing near the dam and it comes out of the chutes along with all the other bait fish. It just sits in there perfect and going there late at night all the bass are are slamming against the wall and that's that's kind of where we hit them but mm-hmm. those were some expensive lures for sure yeah i would hate to lose one and with my not tying skills you know that probably <laughs> five or six would have been lost in one night it's, it's an expensive night i mean this is a guy that took him to the eighth grade to learn how to tie his shoes so hey, <laughs> well anyways blake that's uh that's great, and I know it was actually kind of funny as Chess was talking about all Blake's interests. I remember having this conversation with him in freshman year. It might have been in the stinking Weymouth, um, Sam's West, eating fried chicken tenders. And uh, I'm sitting there, and like Blake's telling me about all his fishing experiences, all his hunting experiences. 
most are just good fairy tales, but uh, yeah, that's what I've come to learn. But I'm sitting there like, golly, what can I up this kid in? I mean, there's there's nothing here. I have a good story. Next thing you know, Blake, yeah, I caught a twelve pound bass. Yeah, hey, uh, my I fish is usually <laughs> about two pounds bigger than whatever you recorded. Yeah, yeah. But anyways, he's uh, a big outdoorsman. Um, why don't you tell us a little bit about your hunting experiences? How how that came about. Hunting experiences. Um, growing up, both my parents are from a small town in West Texas, Clyde, Texas, and both my both sides of my grandparents still live out there today. And, and one side of them lives on a uh, a nice little five hundred acre what we call the Settle Poor Farm. And so, growing up, almost two or a weekend out of every month, we were going up there and and spending time with the grandparents. And one of the fondest memories I have growing up is, is just spending time with my dad in the deer blind, um, hanging out. Usually I brought a sleeping bag and I would sleep on the, <laughs> on the blind in there, um, uh, mainly cause I didn't know what we were doing. And so just kind of growing up, we, we grew up around guns and, and hunting. And I remember the first time I ever shot anything, I think I was in the, the second grade or first grade and I, I shot a turkey with my 20 gauge single shot over, um, I guess it wasn't even an over under, it was just a single shot. And that had to be one of the coolest experiences and then learning how to clean it and, and watch my grandmother cook it up and we had it for, for dinner that afternoon. She is a great afternoon. cook, by the way. So that was a great cook. That was a fantastic meal and I'd never seen anything from, from field to the plate right there in front of me. It was, it was pretty, pretty incredible. So was that like the turning moment for you? I was definitely, uh, whether I liked the outdoors or not when I was young, I was definitely in them all the time, whether we were fishing in the backyard or, or going hunting. Um, mm-hmm. And I can I can attribute that a lot to my dad there. Made me go with him all the time. But that was always a good, fun excuse to leave first grade to, to go out to the dove field, do a little hunting with him in the afternoon. Yeah, another doctor's appointment. What did your teacher have to say about that? You were getting back. I was sick a lot. I was a sickly kid. <laughs> Gosh, what if what if you try to do that today? I mean, there's no way. Yeah, they got too good of a reporting system now. I don't know attendance. I don't know how attendance. I don't know if your dad's a doctor, you can get a doctor's note pretty easy. You know, that's one of those things. <laughs> <laughs> Whether he wrote it or not, I was gonna try to forge it the best of my ability. <laughs> yeah. So, <clears throat> one of my good memories is freshman year in in college. We're sitting there, Blake and I, another time and. I'm like, man, there's not crap to do here. And I'm like, we need to figure out some fun things to do. On Like maybe go work out, maybe go drive to Colorado. And he's like, what are you talking about? We were in duck hunting Mecca. And you served as like my guide into the duck hunting world. And I mean, I was already hooked because of chess. But once we went to Lubbock, I mean, I just, I mean, maybe you can attest this chess i mean I kinda, he became seriously addicted along with blake i know his addicted the addiction also skyrocketed i'm honestly kind of mad at you because i they spent both way too much money decoys. but uh <laughs> god man we we had it figured out there or, or tried to have it figured out but yeah y'all really, did well yeah no i think you know after like you said i had to buy new decoys i think sam and uh, one of our friends luke shot at least two of them whoa, on whoa, the water whoa, whoa. there was a learning there was definitely a learning curve I'm pretty sure <laughs> Sam came out in his fly fishing waders when it was at least 30 degrees outside, no insulation, and uh, pretty sure those suckers had a hole in them. But 
it's better than Luke Mooch, who's sitting on the, the lake shore with no waders, which is always a good excuse to not pick Shows up any up birds or, walls. Or, or to gain any decoys. I, no, I think about that. I, I think next time I'm going to go with no waders. Hey, you ever, <laughs> you ever miss those good times out on the panhandle? Sunrises we had, those are, those are pretty incredible. You know, there's there's a lot of times out there where I remember we were sitting there and with the wind chill out there in West Texas, it felt like it was negative 10 outside. And I remember one time just sitting there thinking to myself in those blinds, am I really having fun right now? <laughs> but yeah. yeah, there was it was it was always a good time and that definitely was another one where we were hunting before class and on the weekends and I'm not sure that we ever knew what else was going on. Yeah, I don't, I don't know if we did a weekend in Lubbock. At least I probably did two. I don't think you did one. There's a lot of times out there in Floyd Ada, Texas. Yeah, Floyd Ada in Lockney. In Lockney, in Lockney. We went to uh, Luke Mooch's favorite <laughs> mom and pop donut store, which was uh, Jack and Jill Donuts. And I said, <laughs> I'm afraid, man, that, is not, a, that, is, that is not a mom and pop <laughs> and uh, we actually we had this routine Blake and I it was it was a, a great year I never bailed on you until the last weekend and you were so upset because I couldn't go I had something the night before and I had to be up late and Blake was just so upset because I wasn't there to listen to Duck Blind on our on our way into into the field, we would always play that song in the duck blind, having <laughs> us a good time. Remember that one? Oh yeah, oh yeah. I think you were all reliable there, and then I think girls got in the way of uh, a good time. But <laughs> only once. Can't, can't can't blame them. Only once. Only once. So Blake, you did a few years at Tech, and then you said, "No, was it one year or two years?" Before it was one. It was one year. I, I spent my freshman year at, at Tech, and at the time, I had I had this sheer determination that I had to get back to Austin because I wanted to do business and I knew that the the resources in Lubbock just weren't nearly as much as they were in Lubbock and Austin. Austin, Lubbock, not sure what I might have just got that backwards. But yeah, there's a little more there's a, there's a little bit more going on in Austin, in Austin yeah. Texas than there was in Lubbock. Um, and you know, I remember my freshman year, I applied to this thing called like the three-day startup, and I was really excited because I wanted to learn more about business, and I remember getting rejected from that program, and then I remember going to the uh, Texas Tech Innovation and Entrepreneurship Center, and uh, nobody there could have anything for me, so mm. I was, uh, that was a big one. I was always trying to come up with something, and at the time, I didn't know if I was going to be a doctor or if I was going to do business, but I figured either way, my chances would be higher in Austin, and so... I packed up my stuff. I tried to convince all my friends to come with me, and uh, I hit the road that that May, and I guess never turned back around. Yeah, just a few times, paid a few visits, but even before then, you uh, <clears throat> you were studying chemical engineering. Pretty pretty drastic change there, wouldn't you say? I mean, that is just two ends of the spectrum. You, you got your degree in chemistry, which is very similar, but I mean, just the fact that business was your interest beforehand and you kind of were wanting to change all along why don't you tell us about what was going through your mind on the chemical engineering thing yeah absolutely so I started as a chemical engineer in tech and then I eventually finished out my degree as a chemistry major um, from UT but kind of my, my thought process there was 
you know, anybody can learn how to do business. It's a lot of a lot of shaking hands, and you know, you can learn to read a budget and a, a spreadsheet and just kind of the basics behind everything. But, but you can't learn the technical stuff. I couldn't learn what the chemical engineers were learning in the future, or what the chemistry majors were learning. At least I wouldn't have that that basic foundation. So I decided that I was going to learn my business on the free time, and I was going to have something real, real technical as my background. So I had a I had a broader understanding, and I thought, you know, one day if I ever wanted to go into chemicals or if I wanted to go in the oil field, I, I can do the business side, but I needed to have an understanding of what what I was doing in that business. And so that's kind of what started me there. And actually, uh, it was one of the biggest things that helped me along the way is when I got to tech and I knew that I was going to transfer to UT, I, I knew I had to get good grades. And so staying mm-hmm. up very late for a, a 4.0, uh, quickly realized early in the freshman fall semester, like you said, with uh, with Brock Irwin, Brock Irwin, our calculus Golly, professor, he was he was, he was tough, and we spent a lot of hours at the tutor. And I realized that uh, there's no way I was going to be able to finish this thing alone, and I had to depend on other people to uh, explain things to me and sit down and study. And I had to I had to work with a lot of really smart people, a lot people a lot smarter than I am, and uh, that that really helped me in the the transition to the business world because I learned that you know pretty early that I couldn't do it all myself and that I needed to rely on other people and, and group environments and teamwork kind of makes a dream work mm-hmm. type of deal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so you, you had the entrepreneur bug, you got back to Austin, got to UT, and uh, you started a company. That, that we did. We got back here. I uh, little backstory is about three weeks before I went to Texas Tech my freshman year, I got diagnosed with type 1 diabetes. And so learning how to manage that um, while hanging out with guys like Sam who are eating chicken tenders every, every night from Sam's West was, was challenging. Um, but it ended up giving me one of the bigger opportunities. It, it made me responsible too as well, which was really good for me going into college as uh, it's tough to go from the, the bottom probably quarter of your high school um, to making a, a 4.0 my spring semester. And so what really helped me I'm losing my train of thought what's uh <laughs> helped you helped you get into start rev oh yeah absolutely and so golly i might need to take a little piece myself get a little caffeine going let's do that let's do that yeah uh, we got so a we got a boxer right in front of us yeah new product here why don't you tell us about the product yeah so kind of what we were getting at is i'm during my time at the university of texas i started a company a caffeinated gum company called rev energy gum where the one piece is the equivalent to a cup of coffee in, in terms of the caffeine content, which is really the most important part of the coffee. And so I was studying late one night, I believe it was my junior year in the fall semester for a biochemistry exam. And I think it was about two in the morning and I went searching for a cup of coffee and that'd become a, a just a big old coffee caffeine addict early early in my college career staying up late trying to make those grades and so about two o'clock in the morning i went searching for a cup of coffee and there was nothing around and the only thing that they had were vending machines and you know unlike tech which props to tech here uh ut vending machines didn't have any low carb versions of energy drinks and so it was just monster and red bull being a type 1 diabetic i couldn't drink either one of those and so I ended up just chewing gum for the night, and when I was sitting there chewing that gum about three in the morning, I was thinking, you know, what I would do for some caffeine, and it was like, you know, 
why don't we put caffeine in chewing gum and make a caffeinated energy gum and that'd be a dang good business idea why don't mm-hmm. I, I'm a chemistry major I ought to be able to figure this thing out and kind of one thing led to another little did I know uh, just how bitter the caffeine molecule is and compound <laughs> is and, and what, a, what a challenge that was going to be masking that sucker up in a 2.3 gram piece of gum but I still remember this day you coming to me. Uh, we were in Clyde. We had met up for the weekend. We are eating burgers, and you're sitting there, and, and we're just joking around like always, like having good times, and Blake kind of gets all serious. He's like, hey, Sam, look, uh, I got this idea. And I said, okay, let's let's hear this idea. And he, he kind of starts to bring this up, and I think he's being cautious to try to you know get it out there because he's in the early stages. This is probably our junior year, so before – Anything had unveiled, unveiled. Yeah, I was um, probably right there in the January. Post- yeah, January, January of, of junior year. So, but so he began to tell me about the gum and the idea, and I was very interested, very curious, and I basically told him like, "Look, man, I think it's a great idea. I'd love to help you, but I don't have any money for you." <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's- and. It was, it was just great because I, I feel like you probably had so many people tell you, no, 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 this is a bad idea, but you kept on pushing on and you kept on going for it. I mean, that was, you've gone through a lot of different steps. This gum that they're chewing right now is, this is trial number like, what, five, six? I mean, this has come a long way. Oh, yeah. It's, uh, it has. It's a constant iteration. No, I, I haven't had the new iteration yet and it's a... It's leaps and bounds better than the first one. It's a big change. I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that. Um, yeah, kind of taking nose is, you know, I'm still taking nose. I take nose every day. And so it's just one of those things where I just hold on to those yeses. You know, you only need one yes to keep it going versus, you know, I can get a thousand no's and, and wake up the next day and, and keep going, keep asking more people and, and figuring it out. and. That's kind of that's kind of been the motto behind the entire company is when when one person says no that means that just keep on moving to the next one and you know the quicker they'd say no the better it was for me or if they uh, if they were interested I was I was sure happy to give them a pitch <laughs> yeah so getting this thing started you know you you have an idea for the product yeah yeah how did you go about I mean you've got nice packaging you know obviously the product's really high quality how do you go about getting all that into production and all the testing and stuff like that. Yeah, absolutely. And uh, I'm gonna I'm gonna go ahead and say that you know I had time that that hard work and intelligence is you know pretty pretty good. But then there's a there's a certain aspect where some people call it luck. I call it faith. Um, there's a lot of things that were out of my control that just really kind of went my way, um, and that that had a huge portion of you know being able to get to the point where we are today. I wouldn't. I don't know if you'd call it quite successful yet, but uh, we're 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 doing something, and I'd say kind of going into production and, and going from this idea to doing it is is definitely the hardest part. Um, it's tough to give you know pitch your idea to a bunch of friends and family, and you know you get a bunch of thumbs up, you get a bunch of thumbs down, or you get a bunch of people saying yeah, but you, you know when are you going to do that? You got you got class, you got school, and so. Uh, for the first time in my college career, I, uh, I kind of kicked college on the back burner, and I said, you know, I'm going to figure this thing out. And, you know, luckily being in Austin, there's so many companies 
that had done it before, whether it be, you know, Sweet Leaf Tea or, or Tito's Vodka. There's a lot of uh, a lot of CPG innovations going on, high brew, cold brew coffee. And, and so I was like, you know, I think if I just figure out what these guys did to be successful, I could I could figure something else out. And luckily I had I had some incredible mentors from early on, whether it be Stoney Barden, a good family friend of mine that had started a chemical, a very successful chemical production company. And uh, one of my roommate's dads, Russ Richards, was a big time, he's a big mergers and acquisitions attorney out of Atlanta, Georgia. And, uh, you know, he's he's taken care of us along the way as far as all of our legal stuff. And, you know, that was a huge break, especially early on when you're trying to figure all this stuff out. And then we had another guy, Sean Cusack, who started Waterloo Sparkling Water, um, which was, yeah, they're awesome. you know, super, awesome company. super, super great company. He was a know. Sweet Leaf Tea guy, is that right? He's not. Yeah, that's, that's Clayton Christopher. He uh, he worked for a venture capital firm, Kavu, until recently, and he's about to start kind of doing his own thing. Um, but Sean had come up with two different ideas. This one called Mighty Mighty Squirrel Spritzers, and then Waterloo Sparkling Water, and yeah. and had a lot of you know a tremendous amount of success early on. And so having him as a mentor and asking you know how the how the waters are navigated and, and what to look out for and. You know, just by doing a lot of research, that's one thing that, that we're kind of blessed with at this age is that, you know, you got the you got the web right there. I mean, you got so much information at your fingertips. And so, you know, I, like I said early on is, is I knew that I couldn't do it all myself. And, uh, you know, originally I tried to get one of my friends at UT to do a little design work um, for our gum that at the time was called Stoke Energy Gum. And... I remember looking at his graphic designs and paying him, I think it was like 150, 200 bucks to do our, our logo. And I remember getting that a little after Christmas, um, my junior year, and looking at it and thinking, man, this looks awful. This <laughs> looks, I, like, I would not oh, buy yeah. a bag of this. And so, not, not, his, not that his digital graphics were bad, it was just, you know, when you looked at the industry, it was, it was just not pretty. And uh, I decided, you know, I need to get a I need to get a design firm and I need a I need a really good one, and I had this uh, obsession with this one company, High Brew Cold Brew Coffee. I was a big coffee drinker at the time. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. they've done very well too. Haven't they've they? done they've done ex- extremely well. And so I was obsessed with their kind of package design, and I was able to figure out the design firm that had created their packaging. And I remember giving them a call one day and talking to them on the phone. I was like, you know, I got this caffeinated gum company that I'd be interested in. You know contracting y'all to do a little design work and they're like yeah sure no problem um it's you know rough budget it's going to be about forty five thousand dollars i remember saying oh that's perfect that's uh you know right in there why don't we set up a meeting come talking i remember hanging up that phone going there is no way i could afford anything on that budget um oh man and so i remember going into that meeting not having you know i didn't have half of what they were asking for and giving them the spiel and, and letting them try the gum and you know little little did I know at that time that the gum tasted like uh, sand and chemicals as I've been told. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But your taste buds were my, my taste buds were skewed <laughs> a little bit emotionally and, and the fact that I've had so much caffeine that I couldn't taste it anymore. Um, <laughs> and so I gave them that product and and you know they eventually they I guess they took a liking to us and. 
they said, you know, we'll cut you a deal, and they cut us a deal and made our packaging our first round. Little did I know they had us on the hook, uh, keep charging us all the way down the road. But uh, we paid, I think it was about $10,000 roughly to uh, get a full package design, and, and that's what kind of, you know, pumped a lot of, of breath into the companies is, you know, mm-hmm. seeing this this design and the kind of, we ended up on, we ended up hiring this company before we even got to the name Rev. And and I remember just seeing their the work and the just talking to them and starting to work with different contractors, whether it be our manufacturer or, or different suppliers of ingredients or packaging. And um, like I said, I knew I couldn't do it myself. So design was one aspect. And then I went out there and I tried to find the best packaging firm I could. And then I went out there and tried to find a gum manufacturer who could come up and uh, produce my formula that I'd, I'd scribbled out on a piece of notebook paper after reading articles in the fifth floor of the library. Um, just anything <laughs> yeah. I could. Man, that's about as, as scrappy as it gets right there. You know, you got to get scrappy. In. You wrote the ingredients out on a sheet of notebook paper? You know, it, luckily, Man. chewing gum is not that tough of a thing. It's really just plastic with a little bit of a sweetener in it. And so, you know, after reading six or seven articles about different formulations of gum put together it's it started to kind of all blend together and mm-hmm. kind of gave it my best shot and so there's something though about your gum that you stuck with throughout the whole thing what what part of your formula is kind of like your pride and joy and pride and joy in the the gum is 100 milligrams of caffeine there we go that's the that's the energy <laughs> on the head baby you know that's the bitter stuff right there that's the stuff that make your your cheeks kind of quench a little bit yeah why don't you tell them a little bit more about how you have your first round come in your first batch and i just remember you getting these cardboard boxes massive boxes like it was like christmas with gum i mean thousands of pieces of gum how many was it Seventy thousand pieces and uh oh oh goodness uh when we got our first round of production it was it was a uh, it was a lot of gum. It was U-Haul's worth, um, and you didn't really have anybody to sell it to yet. And it's at this point, it's friends and families. Correct? Yeah, yeah. And so I, I definitely took what most people would call a, a stupid jump, a leap of faith, um, and that was that I, I convinced this one manufacturer out on the East Coast to to produce the gum, and told him, you know, I want to do it, and. He said, well, you know, we have minimums to get our machineries going, and, and you're going to have to buy, I want to say it was, was it, it 33,000 packs. It was 33,000 pack minimum. And, uh, six you pieces know, a pack. Yeah, six pieces in a pack. I think it came out to like 210,000 pieces. And I remember, you know, that was a lot of money uh, at the time, and it'd be kinda, it was almost everything I raised. And so... I was like, you know, let's let's do it. I mean, this you can only give this idea a shot one time. So I ordered all this gum. I got thirty three thousand packs of, of gum in on this U-Haul that I went and picked up with with a couple of buddies at at five a.m. from a UPS depot on the outskirts of town because we didn't have a commercial place to land <laughs> the gum, but at residential uh, we were at the time. I think I can go on the record and say this now that we've uh, we've made a lot of adjustments, but. We stored it in this one of our uh, investors, one of my good friends' back houses to start it off with. Uh, <laughs> and let me tell you, if you're uh, if you're listening to Miss Barksdale, thank you. But uh, that was that was a lot of gum to stick in someone's back house. And I remember getting the gum in and kind of going, "Now what?" And I was like, "You know, I got a I got a pretty good idea. I'm gonna I'm gonna start working around and figuring out who I can get to sell this gum." 
Mm-hmm. And I got the gum in and I went store to store with these mom and pop convenience stores, just talking to the cashiers and the store managers, trying to convince them to, to sell my gum and put it right there on the front counter next five hour energy and gave them the whole pitch. And, you know, a lot of the people then were like, you know, we'll try it, but we're not paying you for it. Or, uh, or we'll do consignment where, you know, we'll pay you after we sell it. And I was like, that's a great deal. Like, take the gum, you know, put it up here at the front. And I was handing out packs. I'd, I'd put it on Amazon. And, and really, truly, kind of the first week, I tried to do a little bit of social media explosion, try to get people chewing on the gum. And, and I think one of the first things we did was we went around and we gave cartons of gum to the sororities. Uh, because they had rush at the time and they were up doing late hours and and I remember uh, it was pretty quick right after we handed out a ton of gum that that we realized that it that it tastes awful um, yeah my mom came home she was assisting with the rush and she comes home and I, I was really excited I said hey mom Blake's bringing the gum there today you really need to give it a try let me know what you think and my mom comes home and just bashes it she said the girls hated it she was like I mean, it looks great, but it just tastes better. Yeah, it was it was a uh, it was a rough it was a rough first iteration, but you know I wouldn't change anything I did because it, it got the ball rolling. Um, you had a pretty good group of followers too. I mean, the social media, just had, the good friends you have that are promoting it. I mean, you had just your buddies all around there just so gung-ho for you that want this to work and the brand is so well developed already yeah yeah Yeah. and that was a that was a big thing going is you know there's there's pros and cons of being a a young entrepreneur and and a startup and one of the pros was that you know you're you're so connected you got so many friends especially in the college setting where you know things can spread like a wildfire um, and people want to help you. Um, older people want to help you too because, you know, they've, they've already got to the end of their path and they can turn around and, and kind of help you out. Um, and so I had that going for me is that I had a lot, a lot of strong advice coming from all over the board and I had friends in, in kind of every aspect that were, were chewing and, and throwing the gum around. And, you know, one thing that really helped was we knew it tasted awful, you know, pretty quick into it. But uh, one one thing stayed the same, and that was, you know, this gum tastes awful, but man, does it work. And, yeah. And uh, that was kind of the catch that, that really led to, I think we sold, you know, over a thousand packs in our, our nine stores on campus in the first couple months. And so it was, uh, it was definitely an explosion of people that just hated the gum but they wanted the caffeine so bad that they were gnawing on the caffeine anyway. And, uh, <laughs> and, and that's when I was like, you know, heck, if we got some people that really knew what they were doing to help out on this formulation, and I kind of stepped out and, and, you know, tried to find some scientists to help me do that, I was like, you know, I think we could have, we could have a run on here and, and kind of one thing led to another. And we got some people to say yes, and we got our, our first test in Bucky's about – Four weeks ago. Yes, yeah, all that. Huge. That's incredible. So, Which, where you, is Bucky's the biggest store you're in currently? Currently, Bucky's is by far the the largest client that we have. We're in uh, HEB convenience stores and Bucky's and and Seven Elevens around town, but there is just nothing 
in my eyes, in a convenience store world that keeps up with a Bucky's store. That's I mean, for sure. For those non-Texans, Bucky's is the mecca of gas stations. They have maybe a hundred gas pumps. You go in, a hundred urinals, a hundred gas and, pumps, and nice. It is a nice store. Oh my gosh, they are by far one of the. the it's the it's nicest convenience stores. I mean, they're they're pretty much the size of a small grocery store. And it's a Walmart. And they, they got everything you need in there. I yeah. mean, they got everything from pecan rolls and beef jerky and kolaches to Double caffeinated bubbles. gum right there on the counter. I was driving through late. Um, I think it was pre-rev uh, launch or I probably would have got some, but the lady said, oh, it's a 9 p.m. rush at Bucky's. Every mm-hmm. night at 9 p.m., there's a rush in the Bucky's and Temple. Yeah, that did shock me. I couldn't believe it. I mean, 9 p.m. Are you kidding me? I mean, the amount of volumes that that they're moving through those places is just Mm -hmm. is just nuts. I mean, keeping up with inventory in our first couple weeks was was tough for the uh, the Bucky's back back store managers. Um, Hopefully, they don't they don't hear this till later. But but uh, we knew that we would get our numbers back, and we were seeing that that. Right before the weekend, they were running out of gum, and they were having to call their distributor trying to get more of it. And so That's we would great. see our, we'd see how many packs we sold go down to like one or two because there was only two packs left in the store, um, which was a bittersweet problem. You know, we were we were selling gum, but then at the same time, you know, we uh, we weren't selling nearly as much as we wanted to. But yeah, Bucky's has been a it's been a big blessing. And as of uh, Monday, we we moved into our fourth store in Waller, Texas, outside of outside of Houston. Um, continuing our our test store launch, I guess we're we're doing well enough. They're going to keep expanding it, and you know, hopefully after this one, we can uh, we can make the full jump to all the stores and and keep on growing. Yeah, it's awesome. Great. So y'all, you know, you're still growing. You've developed a great product, great brand. I think one time you told me, man, this is something I want to be like a lifestyle brand, like like a Yeti. Yeah, and I would say you've kind of strayed from that, but just the quality in this packaging, y'all, something that he's talked about, I mean, it's there. And now I find myself going to grocery stores and noticing that. I go and I see something, I say, I don't want to buy that. Things look like, looks like crap. And it is totally evident. But now that you have a product that tastes good, that works, yeah, are you much more optimistic? What is? What are your thoughts? And what are they? What are the outlooks? You know, um, Part of being an entrepreneur is, you know, you just kind of see the the optimistic view in everything. Um, so, you know, I'm constantly looking at the uh, looking at the stars. Well, you know, we're trying to keep my feet on the ground. Um, but if you ask me where it's where it's headed, you know, we're always on the up and up and up. And luckily, I got a I got a great team of people around me that'll bring me back down to earth sometimes. But uh, but. We're, we're really happy where we're at right now in, in terms of growth and expansion and, uh, you know, just especially since we launched our two new flavors. Of course, you know, with, with any, any energy product, you know, there's there's good and bad and it, it, the nature of it is it's a, it's a polarizing product because, you know, the caffeine is still bitter and, you know, as good as we like to think our, our new flavor is, you can still taste the bitterness in it. You can't um, chew six six pieces or at least you don't recommend it i don't recommend chewing six pieces i don't know if you that's a lot of caffeine real quick part of caffeine gum is that it's uh it's up to five five times faster than if you drink a cup of coffee or an energy shot because mm-hmm. it's absorbed through the mucous membranes in your mouth so it's uh it's a lot of energy packed in a, a big I'm, old punch i'm a caffeine addict and this piece of gum's already hitting me hard <laughs> <laughs> yeah. 
Yeah, I think I remember we had a test out at the ranch one time to see who could chew the most, and I got to three, and I was, I mean, I was bouncing around. I couldn't eat anymore. So compared to a five-hour energy, how much how much caffeine is in a five-hour energy? Five-hour energy, the the regular strengths, I believe, got just a little bit more than two hundred. So it's it's about equivalent to a piece. Also, um, it tastes like stinking lighter fuel. You know, it, it tastes like <laughs> cough syrup for sure. But you know, part of the benefit, you know, there's a couple benefits that we got on five-hour. You know, one of them is that that five-hour, you know, you're still drinking it, so it's going to take thirty-five to forty minutes for your body to fully ingest. And in that time frame, you know, you could have chewed two, three pieces figure out how much energy you really need um, to kind of absorb all that caffeine. And then the other thing is, you know, you're spending three bucks on one shot of, of five hours. So, you know, you spend three bucks and you, shot, you take a shot and you're on the road. You know, you spent three bucks on a pack of Rev Gum and you got six cups of coffee in your back pocket. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the bang for your dollar goes a lot further. And I can honestly say it tastes a lot better than five-hour energy. You I know, mean, five-hour energy tastes crappy. Yeah. Five hour energy is one of those things. I remember when it came out when we were we were kids and being in middle school and, and going to the convenience store and buying up a buttload of those things and, and taking them one after another, which if they would have known, I don't know if that was part of their marketing campaign or not, <laughs> but, uh, but I remember that those things just tasted like cough syrup, but you know, when you're young, you don't care and you're just trying to get the energy. They, but, uh, they have been successful. I mean, they killed it. They are they are a massive company and, and pretty much our what I view in my eyes are our largest competitor in terms of, you know, an energy product that's quick, easy, portable and in terms of in the stores itself, you know, five hours just it's it's kinda got this nursery right there at the cashier or the register, you know, that's it says, I know what this is and so that's been a, a big challenge for us is that we're constantly putting our product where five hour is and and when we look at data with, with retailers we're compared to five hour and so you know luckily i think with at least our generation of consumers you know i i this part of the reason that i wanted to come up with rev was i was like you know i don't want to be seen as one of those hardos that's carrying around a five hour energy and studying late at night and i was like i mean who, who who consumes those things and i thought about it and i was like i don't know anybody that drinks five hour and if they do they do a good job of, of taking a shot and keeping it to themselves but I definitely thought it was an older crowd, and I was like, you know, why don't I come out with a energy product and kind of what Sam was saying, a lifestyle product here that that's not an aggressive in-your-face energy product like Monster Energy or, or Amp or, or Bang or anything like that. That's you know, it's got a lot of it's got a lot of aggression and bouncing off the walls. I wanted to go for something you know, Rev, but a little bit finer tuned. If you can see the packaging, it's 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 a lot more mellow. Kind of like a studying product, not a uh, not a. I'm gonna go smash my head against a wall kind yeah, of product. Yeah, you know, motocross, <laughs> yeah, like 80, yeah, 80 yeah. Let's go. We're not we're not trying to grow your wings. You're not jumping out of an airplane. I mean, you could. That'd be cool, but you know, that's not what the product was for. Is for you know, everyday people that are studying, or they're going on a run, or they're going to work out. They're on a road trip and they don't want to have to pull over to pee nine times. Uh, <laughs> that was kind of the, the thought process. Deal. Yeah, it's a big deal. That's a big deal. No more visit. coffee bread. And I'll say, I'm, I'm reading the back of the package right now. Ten calories per piece. Is that quite a bit lower than competitors? Or you know, that is that is it is really low calorie. In fact, it's probably it's it is lower than than what it says on the back. Um, just because hopefully you're not swallowing a piece of gum. Mm-hmm. Um, 
already it's, strong. It, yeah. <laughs> uh, and that, that was a big thing was, you know, being sugar-free and, and low-calorie. I mean, it's just like sugar-free gum. It's it's easy, and you put it in your back pocket, pull it out. You know, I, one of the big things, you know, early on was when we were hunting, uh, like Sam said, going up to West Texas, being in my waders, you know, I'd, I'd been used to trying to drink that hot coffee on the car ride at 4 in the morning as fast as I could, and sitting there in the morning watching the sun come up, and believe me, there's nothing like a uh, the smell of a cup of joe. Um, yeah. The aroma from that is tough to tough to get over, but unfortunately, pulling down your like, jaws in the cold, like pulling, pulling, getting the waders down so you got to take a leak was was tough. And so when we came out with Rev, I I remember sitting in the blind just this past year and being like, you know, heck. I got this energy a lot faster. Hey, when's the camo packaging coming out? Yeah, coming soon. Coming to a store near you. Yeah, coming to a, uh, a bait shop near you. Yeah, heck yeah. <laughs> but uh, I'll send you my design. Here yeah, I, I'd love to. I'd love to see it. Um, but you know, that was another big thing for us was when you're in places that you can't really keep a drink cold. Whether you're going to a, a Longhorn football game or a Baylor football game, Tech. You know, you're in the stands. You can't carry a Red Bull into the stadium. But you can carry a pack of, of Rev gum in your back pocket, and so mm-hmm. that's a uh, you know whether it's that whether you're in a you're in a tiny layout blind in West Texas, you know it's it's tough to keep your coffee. You can't keep it in your blind, a but you know then keeping your drink cold or being able to, to grab your drink and and throw back some some coffee when you're waiting on the birds is another tough thing. Yeah. And so being able to, you know, just throw a piece of gum in and, and chew it, you know, it doesn't require any hands or really any coordination. I think everybody can chew gum as long as, you know, you got enough teeth for it. <laughs> Maybe not Sam. But... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably not. So, Blake, I, I'm curious. Um, so you got the product, you came up with the idea, you, you got the design kind of in place. Yeah. And you're having to raise capital for this being a young guy. Oh. And you're having to, you know, pitch it to... Um, you know, stores, and obviously now you're getting into some bigger pitches, bigger stores, stuff yeah. like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know, how do you go about that, you know, with the lack of experience? Um, you know, you couldn't say, well, you know, I've, I've been working, I know the industry. Yeah, you know, yeah, absolutely. All the yeah. way through. So how do you how do you kind of learn and, you know, ramp up to that level to be able to do all this stuff? Yeah, you know, especially in, in fundraising, you know, being young, it – like I said, it's a it's a double edged sword, and that you can you can go up to somebody and and that you have a lot of credibility and validity in talking about the younger generation, you know, which is kind of what all these big companies are trying to capture is, you know, how do we reach this younger market, and you know, being in the younger market, saying, you know, I know this is going to be cool, and you know, we had a lot of, of cool friends and and people chewing it and giving it to their friends, and so there's a lot of traction behind that, and. That was really one of the biggest things going for me in fundraising was that, you know, I understood the the market. Whether I didn't understand the business side of it, you know, I I think just I was going to convince you that I had enough drive and enough determination that I was going to get it done, uh, whether it was the last thing I did. And so walking into a pitch for funding, you know, like I said, having that old product, you know, whether it tasted like chemicals and sand or not, uh, it allowed me to, to put a product in front of somebody and say, you know, hey, we're, we're working on a new formula, but, you know, here's our here's our gum and full packaging, and, you know, this be something that you'd be interested in investing in and laying out the plans and, 
You know, it's 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 just constantly one big story, and that's what kind of people relate to. Whether it's you know it's a fishing story or a hunting story, you know, businesses and life is just one big story. And so you know, I was always constantly telling my story of diabetes and and you know, kind of the use of the product and where it went from there and how it's going store to store and I'll stock an inventory between classes, um, and people relate to that, and they kind of see you know. I, Especially in startups, you know, it's it's just so hard to determine, you know, what the success rate is going to be for a startup. And so at the end of the day, you got to look at the people behind the, the company. You know, you, you got to believe in the product or the company to begin with. But then you got to look at what's what's behind the curtains and say, you know, do I believe in them? You know, are they going to be one of those people that works hard and, and tries to get the job done? Um, and I think that's really what I was able to sell people on was, you know, I did have youth and inexperience but but that wasn't going to be a challenge that i was willing to uh willing to stop me i was going to overcome it at, at any cost and so yeah. um just learning how to be you know a people person and and tell these stories was you know part of what i like to attribute a lot of a lot of success to mm -hmm. and, and i definitely think there's a lot of truth in that statement i mean just our generation we're 22 years old and just to see someone our age out there who's not only started a company, but put a product in front of somebody. I mean, heck, I couldn't have ever imagined that in my wildest dreams maybe two years ago. And now seeing you do this, it's, it's inspiring. But just to think that there's billions of others out there that probably don't think that as well, it's it's shocking because, I mean, we got, we got a lot of stuff going for us being young. And yeah, yeah, absolutely. Why not utilize it? So it's pretty great story in that and I mean it's a great product it speaks for itself and the people behind it like you're saying have really turned it into what it is so I'd say keep on keeping on and I'm a big big fan of Rev yeah I appreciate you and you know kind of one thing that I'd heard over and over and read about was you know people always say in in the experts mind that that uh, there's few ways to get things done, but in the beginner's mind, there's there's endless opportunities. And so, you know, if I'd been spent 10 years in the industry, I probably would have said, there's no way I could get this done. Um, but, you know, being young and inexperienced, I, I didn't know what I was getting myself into. And, you know, it's just constantly... And you're young, you know, you might as well take the risk. You take the risk what now. What do you have to lose? You know, yeah, exactly. I'm going to start back, oh, you know, I got to get a job either way. And, you know, one of... It was a lot easier to get a job when I hired myself, and so you know you don't move a, a move the mountain one mountain at a time. It starts with you know one little rock at a time, and so that's yeah. that's kind of been the, the story of the company. It's just one little problem at a time, and eventually it piles up. And you know we got a tiny little pile of rocks, but you know we hope it turns <laughs> into something. Y'all yeah. are y'all are crushing it so far. So as, as we kind of wrap it up, a lot of your experiences have. I would say, in a way, led to Rev. Yeah, you, know, you had the chemical absolutely. engineering slash chemistry major at UT, which helped you create the formula to actually come out with the original product. Yeah, you had all these other experiences, you know, going out to the duck blind, and you know, you're trying to sip on the coffee on the road, and it yeah. was spilling all over. And of course, you know, with your diabetes, you had to overcome that, and oh, you're yeah. experiencing different stuff with that. So all these things kind of culminated into the product, but is there mm -hmm. anything else that you see as a as a prime driver to I think, uh, you creating the company? If I can chime in, we're, we're leaving out one of the most important stories there is, is, you know, Blake was in his elementary school class uh, being the banker 
for the other kids. And I think I've heard this story numerous times. I mean, this guy was, uh, you know, meant to take your money uh, <laughs> as oh, a young man. kid. <laughs> he has um, always... Always been an entrepreneur. Yeah, he's yeah. always been an entrepreneur. Yeah, I mean, that's that's definitely... Some people are, I guess, just kind of kind of born with it. But at the same time, like you said, there's so many factors that definitely led me up to it. And uh, I think one of the one of the largest factors, I don't know if it was just my my raw unintelligence, you know, just just thinking I could do something. Uh, but that that's kind of what led me there. Um, the story Sam's referring to uh, <laughs> was when I was in the first grade. We had these good behavior bucks, and and the teacher would give them out to you if you were good. And at the end of the month, or I think it was every other week, uh, she brought out toys, and you had the ability to buy toys, you know, based on good behavior bucks. And and uh, I was convinced back then, you know, once again, uh, it's probably the stupid in me that you know thought I was. Uh, I thought I was a banker, and so I convinced about not three fourths of the class to bank with me, and. Uh, and give me their money to deposit. And the only issue was is that I only had a uh, five-gallon Ziploc bag and, and no notes on who deposited what. So, there was a little interest fee, and there wasn't a whole lot of investment opportunities for a first grader um, with behavior bucks. But uh, but <laughs> I sure was going to keep some your... Some kind of like carrying cost yeah, just yeah. to hold the money. <laughs> I was going to keep your money in my desk until uh, the day came where everyone showed up at my desk and said, I'm ready to make a withdrawal. And... Uh, <laughs> I think it was a bank holiday that day, and I said, up, oh, doors are closed. <laughs> <laughs> that was funny. That is great. Well, enough talk about Rev. Um, let's get to some more serious stuff. What do you got What do you got planned for the near future, outdoors-wise, sportsman-wise? When are we when are we hitting the duck blind? You know, I think it's I think it's about that time, especially, you know, all being graduates now, that like we, we get out there yeah. and we actually go shoot. You know, Sam's one of my favorite people to go hunt with because he really, truly can't see any of the birds coming in. And so I get to call him for myself. And <laughs> I, I think that's one of the bigger benefits. And even if he does see him, there's, you know, there's a 90% chance he's going to miss him anyway. Uh, it's about the experience, you know. I'd rather see my buddy shoot him. Instead. Yeah, you know. Uh, well, I call yeah. him in. Well, you ask him in the moment, he'd say he shot him, you know, especially when we shoot at the same time. But it's one of those things. Um, kind of the outdoors is my the biggest thing I love most about the outdoors is just spending time with, with friends and getting some stories to you carry with you and, and tell other people. Uh, you know, you just the lies get bigger and bigger. And so yeah. I, I'm, looking forward to, I'm looking forward to adding another one under my belt. Yeah, we need to make it happen soon. We'll we'll definitely get out this fall. Um, and y'all, for the listeners, we'll definitely be sending a link to RevGum, maybe their Amazon page with your approval. Yeah, yeah, all right. Like you that. know, let's get something going. We'll uh, share with y'all their Instagram page, and uh, maybe you can see a picture of uh, Blake here and uh, see who's behind the mic. So I, you'll, you'll be disappointed. You'll be disappointed. We'll put Not a picture of the giant striper you caught on Lake Austin. There we go. Little y'all, are, y'all are going to be buying boxes of rev gum <laughs> after that yeah. thing was incredible well blake any wise words for the for the audience before we let you go oh man just keep doing what you're doing keep spending time outdoors and, and enjoy yourselves and i appreciate you chess and sam for having me on today thanks bud we'll talk to you later thank you for listening to the LP show where we discuss the art of being a well-rounded person Please subscribe as well as comment, and not to mention, tune in for next time.